0: We know how to do church. We got it down so pat. We can do it with our eyes closed and our hearts closed, but we can still do it. But at home, I I always tell people that your marriage is the spiritual laboratory that God allows us to practice everything that it takes to please Him.
1: And he brought out this beautiful diamond ring and he said, Suzanne, I never thought that I would see personal happiness again. He said, it's not only your year of miracles, but it's my year of miracles.
2: Hello, folks. You know, um, love is in the air. It's almost Valentine's Day. And uh, we have really one of the most incredible love stories you're ever going to hear. I'm not overselling this. These are two of the most fantastic people that I've ever known in my life, known them for a couple decades now. Uh, Pastors Ron and Suzanne Cox out of Central Alabama, and uh, just just amazing to speak to them. I, in fact, I'm not going to do much small talk um, you know, before I introduce them because uh, we talk about you know their incredible story um, of, of of finding each other after going through a lot of trauma. Each of them, you know, uh, Suzanne, uh, drug and alcohol addiction, and and almost uh, being kidnapped in India, and and uh, then Ron taking care of an invalid wife for, for decades uh, while he led a church. And so despite, with all that happening, they found each other. So we're going to hear from them uh, t- from the horse's mouth about how that all happened, how God made that happen. Also ask them about how they use humor and excitement to talk about Jesus. And also, you know, fitness, an important part of their lives as well. Uh, and uh, family, and they have a ministry uh, they now lead, now that they're no longer senior pastors of a church, called Legacy of Purpose. i uh, also going to talk about uh, their book. Uh, this, it's kind of the, their story. It's called Call It Incredible, the Ron and Suzanne Cox story. So make sure to go read that. I read it years ago. Call It Incredible, and it truly is. Uh, in fact, one of the things that Ron says in our discussion that you're going to hear in just a few minutes, uh, he talks about you know the empty spaces in our life and uh, talks about how in those blank spaces, when uh, we run out of, you know, being able to figure it out and uh, we, we just run out of energy and just uh, hope perhaps, that's when some amazing things can happen, that God can really do that. And uh, speaking of God, I get texts from God, you can say, uh, every Tuesday. And uh, this kind of fit along with those those empty spaces that uh, Pastor Ron talks about. Um, you know, it's it's a this is the qu- quote. This is the text I got from this company. I'll tell you about in just a second. It says, "In the darkness, now know that I give you light. In the quiet, and in the noise, in the confusion, and in the empty space." let me hold you. Now if you want to sign up for these messages like I do, my wife and I and our daughter, it's called flag messages. flagmessage.io is the website. It's a personal prophetic jump start to your week, a text of love and hope that comes out once a week just to help you to listen and get and tuned in with with God's voice, encouragement in these trying times. Uh, It's run by Gaither Ministries, a Christian nonprofit by a couple in San Francisco. So let me uh, introduce you to our guests so we can get into this amazing conversation. Again, i talked to them for more than an hour, and I promise you it's riveting. You really want to stick around and listen to this and kind of absorb in uh, just their, their amazing, incredible lives and how God has used them in powerful ways. Suzanne is an ordained minister in the Assemblies of God. She has served as general presbyter for the Southeast Regional as well as the National Women and Leadership Committee for the Assemblies of God. So she, like I said, you know, she had this, you know, years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. She had a miraculous salvation at age 31, radically transformed her life and serving God. She was a missionary to Sri Lanka and India with Teen Challenge. And uh, so she talks about uh, that ministry over there, and and how that eventually led her to Pastor Ron Cox, who is an alumnus of Southeastern University. He spent nearly forty five years as a senior pastor, most recently serving Kingwood Church in suburban Birmingham, Alabama, where he was there for more about thirty five years and uh, dealt with a lot of personal adversities, including his first wife, Glenda, with Hodgkin's Korea disease, Huntington's disease, as it's known as well, a very debilitating, um, devastating. Disease, uh, and he continued ministering through all that. Both his daughters also getting that disease, and so he has a really a heart for missions. And currently, uh, the two of them minister in churches and marriage encounters and conferences, leadership seminars, and uh, women's conferences all around the the country through uh, something they founded, a ministry called Legacy of Purpose. So they have these unique testimonies, and they really uh, kind of show God's faithfulness and His grace, and uh, hopefully will some, something that will inspire you. And again, I'd, I'd highly recommend you go out and read their book, Call It Incredible, the Ron and Suzanne Cox story. And, uh, you know, it talks about uh, their board again experiences, but also uh, just, you know, their, their experiences of coming out of the pit and going to the mountaintop, uh, we all you know we all want that to happen for us as well. And speaking of mountains, you know they they also do a lot of um, you know fitness elements as well. I know uh, Suzanne, Pastor Suzanne, does a lot of you know does some marathons and trail running. In fact, Pastor Ron walked with her 250 miles uh, during uh, more than 50 days of COVID quarantine. So we're going to talk about that and how they are using runs as well to help Project Rescue to help fight human trafficking in places like. Like India, so uh, you know, enjoy this faith and uh, fitness as well conversation with pastors Ron and Suzanne Cox. Really, a truly amazing couple. I'd like to introduce uh, pastors Ron and Suzanne Cox in Central Alabama. Two of my favorite people in the entire world. Thank you guys so much for being here.
0: What a belly. What Thank a billing. You <laughs> go down you guys, from here. You
2: guys, <laughs> you guys are up on the mountaintop for me. So I, I really appreciate oh, it. I know, well, you I know we've, uh, we've talked about getting together for a while and, and talking and, and uh, figured it's appropriate Valentine's Day to, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, you guys have been through some really, really difficult times personally, whether it comes to, you know, drug and alcohol addiction, taking care of an an invalid wife for, for decades and, and, uh, kind of going through a lot of stuff and, and we're going to talk about fitness a little bit as well, but I wanted to start off with your love story. Obviously you guys are both in love with God
1: but also yes. in, love each other,
2: in love with each other as well. So, uh, Suzanne, I know you were in your thirties when kind of this happened. And so you, you know, maybe, I don't know if you were looking for a husband. So what, what happened? How did you and Ron uh, become one?
1: Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a long story, but um, we'll go ahead and see what we can get, pull it together. But, uh, you know, I had been raised in a very dysfunctional family and um, my dad had been an alcoholic our whole life. And so my mom was raising three kids and um After they divorced, we moved to Birmingham from a very small town in Alabama into Birmingham, which was um, just loaded with older kids. And I started getting in trouble very early, went to my first drug treatment center at 13. And from there, just became a full-blown alcoholic by 16, 23. I was a cocaine addict and all, all my life, I had just made wrong choices and my mom was really doing the best she could do, taking us to church, to my nana's church, but I never heard the born again experience there. And so I, it was sweet people, precious people, um, but I just never heard of the born again experience. And so um, by the time I was 31, I was just a depressed, suicidal, alcoholic, drug addict, and um, my life had spiraled out of control And uh, I was driving home from work one day, and I looked over at a church that I had passed for about five years, and there was a camp meeting sign out front. Well, I didn't know any Pentecostal lingo, or I didn't know it was a uh, revival service going on there. And so I... um, I went home and I took a nap. And when I woke up, I normally went out. I usually went out at at night by myself as a lady of the evening. And this time I knew I had to be at that church. Jason, it was like God was called. I wasn't even looking for God, but let me tell you, he was looking for me. Wow. I got in my car and I drove down there and I sat in the parking lot of that church at, at Gary Wood Assembly of God in Hueytown, Alabama, and I watched all the people coming in with suits and ties and dresses and Bibles, and I thought, you know, this is just another place that I don't belong, and I I could be in a room full of people, and I never felt like I fit in anywhere, and so when I, um, I, I was about to crank my car and drive away, and it was like a hand pushed me out of my car. And I walked up the steps to that church and there was a precious little lady standing at the door and she said, are you by here to help? And I said, yes, ma'am. But I don't know the first thing about an assembly of God church. I just know that when I woke up, I needed to be here. And she went, well, praise the Lord. You can you can come and see me. And so I did. And and I just watched the choir and the band and the joy of the Lord that was in the house was unbelievable. And then um, Dr. Mark Rutland came out and and shared, I mean, he was just probably one of the most eloquent speakers you'll ever hear, but he came out and he shared a simple message on the love of God. Mm. And when he gave, he was about mm. to give the altar call and he looked across the audience and he said, if, if you could be here tonight and you wish that you had never even been born. And I thought that is me. Yeah. It's me every morning that I wake up and I have to face another day and see how my life had spiraled out of control and how I hated myself and uh, had been suicidal since I was probably 10 or 13 years old. And um, he said, you could wish that you had never been born, but I'm here to tell you you can be born again. You can start your life over and it doesn't matter yeah. where uh, you've been. You can be washed clean by the blood of Jesus and you can stand before a holy God as if you had never sinned and Jason, I had tears streaming down my face and I thought, how, how can I have never heard this message and I'm 31 years old and I was raised in church most of my life. And so, Um, he said, if, if you want to pray a simple prayer, like I prayed to get born again, he said, bow your heads. And when he was about to give the altar call, (laughs) my legs jumped up. I ran to the front. I had never seen an altar call in my life. And I knelt down and I said, God, if this is real, I want it. I want to change. I want to be free. I want a new beginning. And that night on September fourteenth, nineteen ninety-three, I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah!
2: Amen. Yeah. yeah,
1: yes. And, and, the old and, and, had passed, and the new <laughs> had come. And and, and
2: and you had no idea that Pastor Ron Cox, just down the road from Hueytown, right? Alabama, is is senior pastor of this this growing big church.
1: Yes, I had no idea. I had no idea that he was across town my whole life my whole life. He was across town taking care of an invalid wife and raising two little girls and pastoring a church. And, you know, I just had no idea. And so I stayed in my home church with my godly mentors that surrounded me, my little Miss Bettys and Carols and Dean Kirby's and all those ladies. And uh, I stayed there for three years and then I went on. God called me to go. Uh, I had nations in my heart. So I went to Bible college out at Rama Bible Training Center. And then I went on to India where God called me to go to India and help um, establish um, some teen challenge centers and work with Project Rescue to um, rescue the girls from the brothels of India. And so that was that was really um. My heart was to give back what God had actually done in my life. He could change lives forever, and so, yeah. um, so that's that's where I went to India to work and uh, and help rescue the girls. And
2: you're you're you know ministering to these girls in India. Were you thinking about like, hey, you know, I would I would like to have a husband. I mean, was that was that even kind of in your mind?
1: Or? Oh yes, that was definitely in my mind. But the Lord had told me, um, you know, as I as I waited on the Lord and I would spend my Saturday nights with with the Holy yeah. Spirit, my date night with the Holy That's Ghost what is what it. I called it. And, um, and God spoke to me. He said, Suzanne, if you will wait on me. And in Proverbs 31, 23, it says her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And he said, if you'll wait on me. I'll bring you a husband that'll see you as the treasure that I see you as, and you will come alongside him and you will help him fulfill his destiny. And so that was 1993. And uh, so I waited and I waited, and I waited, and I never got married from my home church. And then I went to Rama, and I thought, well, surely I'll meet my hmm. husband at Rama Bridal Training Center. <laughs> <laughs> <Why not? laughs> and, and, uh, and so it was like I was invisible. And then God called me to go to India where I wore the, you know, the garments and the saris and the head coverings. And I said, God, there's nobody even going to know there's a girl under here. (laughs) You know, (laughs) how am I supposed to ever get married? if Nobody can even see me. But it was like I was hidden. You know, it was like he was he was putting me um, in in a place of refuge until it was time. And he was growing me up, you know. I mean, I was really, I was on the fast track of, of uh, learning to live for God and mm. obey God and follow Him and and establish the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And because um, I didn't even when I got saved, I didn't even know how to love myself, much less love a husband. And um, and you know, Ron was on this side of the world. I was in India. He was still. You know, um, taking care of Glinda and the girls, and then uh, so you know it was just it was just so so many things that God was orchestrating in the background that uh, you just have to submit and surrender and say, Lord, um, uh, you know it says in in Proverbs 16, 9, that the the mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord orders his steps. Oh yeah. And so I never realized that God was actually ordering my steps by taking me all the way around the world to bring me back to to marry a man that was just across town from me my whole life. And so uh, as I as I worked in India and ministered in the harvest fields over there and rescued the girls and uh, continued to follow God. Uh, we went on a time of prayer and fasting and God spoke to my heart. He said, Suzanne, the year 2000 will be your year of miracles. Now you needed miracles. I had, (laughs) I don't have time for all this, but I had broken my ankle. I had been electrocuted. I had been abducted by a taxi driver and the angels of God really, really came and, um, rescued me. Um, and so it was just an amazing life over there of adventure that I wasn't sure that I was really up for. Um, but the Holy spirit knows, uh, that, you know, he, where he he wouldn't give you the assignment if he wasn't going to protect you and provide for you and all that. And so, um, So as as the year progressed and uh, the year 2000 came, and they got toward the end, they uh, we had a family emergency and I needed to come home. And so I called my area director and I said, "Can I go home? I mean, we're we're having a a serious emergency and I need to see my mom and she was uh, um, not doing well. And so I uh, he said, "Sure, book a flight. This is October of the year of miracles and." and so we, I literally booked a flight. And when I was when I was uh, packing my suitcase to come home in October of my year of miracles, uh, the missionaries who had started the home, she came and sat on my bed and said, "Suzanne, you remember when we needed you to stay one more year by yourself here, and uh, and uh, they were in California." And I said, "Yes." And she said, "We actually heard a pastor." From somewhere in Alabama, give his testimony of we were at a missions conference and he shared his story of how he uh, his name is Pastor Ron Cox. He's from somewhere in Alabama and he took care of an invalid wife for 25 years. And she said, Suzanne, he had a growing church. He had two little girls and um, Glenda had a neurological disease that um, that. Uh, she, you know, would it was, it was very dire. Called Huntington's Korea, which is one of the most hard, hardest diseases in, known to the medical community. And she said that she. You want to tell some of this, or you want to? No,
0: you go right ahead,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate, I hate to um, just keep rolling, but um, uh, keep rolling. Yeah.
2: <laughs> keep rolling yeah yeah roll with
1: it so she said he, he by the time they diagnosed linda um she was already it's a new neurological disease where the fluid dries up in your brain and um she she was uh they said you're so far advanced now that you'll be in a wheelchair by the, you know your body will begin to twist into a fetal position uh the the It shakes you until you can shake no more. And it's like Parkinson's, ALS and Alzheimer's all in the same body. Wow. And uh, it's just horrible. And so he, by the time they diagnosed her, she was already five years into it. And it's a very rare uh, genetic disease. And so she, um, he took care of her in the home the first 15 years. He cut up every bite of food that she ate. He fixed her hair. He did her makeup. He took her to church and wheeled her in, had the babies. He had Tiffany as an arm baby. And then Stacy was about five years old and David, you know, he just lived it out every day with an incredible church family at Kingwood church. And Um, and so for 15 years he did that. And then when her vital organs began to shut down, he had to put her in a nursing home, which was right down the street from the church, right down the street from the house. And he would go there every morning and he would kneel down by her bed and say, Baby, if you can hear me, I want you to know by the grace of God, I'll be faithful to you one more day, but I'll have to come back tomorrow and tell you the same thing. And um, Jason he did that for another nine years day. Day after day after day and uh, month after month. And um, so when Glenda passed away, she weighed uh, under 50 pounds. And um, and so when Kelly was telling me the story, she said, Suzanne, came and he did his he gave his testimony and he's never dated anybody since Glenda passed away. And she said, I'm just telling you, when you go home to see your mom. I think you need to go find Pastor Ron Cox and meet him because I believe one day that man's going to be your husband.
2: Wow.
1: wow. I like, what? To see there.
2: I, that's, said, that's I, said,
1: I said, if he's pastored the same church at that time, 27 years, how old is this man? Oh. <laughs> and so she said... <laughs> She said, Well, you're no spring chicken sitting on 40. So, (laughs) uh
2: oh, uh oh, uh,
1: touche. (laughs) So, um, so I, so I said, Well, I'm not going to meet Pastor Ron Cox while I'm in Alabama. I'm going home to see my mom, and I'm coming back here. These are my girls, and this is my home, and this is what I do and love. And so, uh, so when, um,
2: so if God wants it to happen, He's going to make it happen, right?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He, he orchestrated the whole thing. I'm sitting in my pastor's office three days after I get off the airplane. His secretary comes in and she says, Pastor Loper, Pastor Ron Cox is on the telephone. And I'm like, oh, Ron Cox? Is, that's that man's name. Oh, my word. And I said, that name wasn't on the back burner. That name was on fire. And so he said, I can't play golf with you today. I've got appointments backed out the door. And he said, but he looks at me and he goes, but I'm sitting with a little missionary from India. She's never been married. She got born again in my church and she would probably love to play golf with you today. Now he didn't know anything about this. So I'm like, I don't even play golf. And he's thinking missionary from India, never been married, must be looking like Mother Teresa.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Ron, I want you to pick it up from there. So how How do you guys meet? Is it on the golf course or is it at a conference?
0: (laughs) No, I don't think we would have connected out on the golf course to you. No, you
1: wouldn't have found me on the golf
0: course. Yeah, Yeah, well, she, I I knew nothing about that. See, and I, I, uh, 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 he handed me the phone and I you can imagine, I said, no, John, I don't listen. You're a pastor, but you can't fix everything. Pastors think we can fix everything. Yeah. I, said, oh, I don't want to, but, but you go ahead with it. It was pretty quick. We got on the phone and it was no small talk, right? And you went right on with it
1: was like, I could not get off the phone fast (laughs) enough. And so I told my pastor the whole story about Kelly and seeing him and meeting him and all that. He goes, oh my goodness. He said, Ron has been one of my best friends uh, all these years. He said, my girls grew up with his girls and uh, we all went to Bible college at Southeastern together. And you know, he said, oh my goodness. He (laughs) said, he's been one of my dearest friends. He's never dated anybody since Glenda passed away. He said, I tell you what, what if on Thursday is our um, sectional council where all the um, pastors and missionaries of the Birmingham section come together? Maybe we could have lunch after the meeting. And I was like, well, I don't know about that. And so um, I came into that continental breakfast that morning and I asked one of my women's ministry ladies, I said, is Pastor Ron Cox in the house? And she said, well, yeah, he's sitting over there with Pastor Loper. And I said, you know, I thought to myself, I said, self, now's your chance <laughs> to spy out the land. And so, so I turned around and looked at him. And then I looked again and I said, Glory to God.
0: Oh, <laughs> the you're, man. Your spirit is <laughs> talking up the <laughs>
1: So I said, Lord, you have my permission to go with this one. And so we actually met in the foyer of the church that day. But, you know, I'm so shy and insecure yes, yes. that I took off. And so <laughs> I didn't go to lunch with them. And um, so Pastor Dan Ronson's Valley, uh, one of his dear friends from the Birmingham area, called Birmingham. my mother's house. The, the, he's in heaven now. and. Um, and so he called my mom's house the next morning and said, my friend Ron met you yesterday. And we were wondering if you would have lunch with us today. And so I um, I ended up going to lunch with them and he and his wife and then Ron. And so Ron began to talk about being on a servant leadership team that meets once a month and prays over the city of Birmingham that God would break down racial barriers and denominations. Barriers and make our city a light on the hill. It was like suddenly the Lord reminded me of that scripture. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And he said, Suzanne, that man's gonna be your husband. Wow. So you know, there he there he was. And I said, But Lord, I mean. He's got beautiful girls and a church that loves him. What if they all the fears and the insecurities of my past came flooding in? What if they find out who I really was? What if there's skeletons in my closet that and all the what ifs and all the fears? And um, it was like the Holy Spirit just brushed that uh, away and said, Suzanne, this is not about your works. This is about my grace. And um, that man's going to be your husband. And I said, "Well, okay, but who's going to tell him?" Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of what that, Matt, say, I'm not. am a nonprofit organization. <laughs> She's a nonprofit organization. But how, how?
2: I mean, is this a does this happen pretty quick in terms of you guys getting yes. engaged? Ron, tell me about how you wrote, picked, uh, swept her off of her feet. I guess. <laughs> well, I, I I'll
0: be honest with you that uh, that's one of those things that wasn't really uh, uh, trying to. And get a hold of ground and make things happen. It was like God just took it, didn't He? He did, and He did happen. Yeah. It was not even any. Uh, uh, it's it, it's 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 strange, uh, Jason. Sometimes we look at life and things are not going well, and we wonder how could God be in that. But I've I've discovered something, Jason. I in fact here's a pen right here. I'd be writing along on the story of my life. We live in a day of leadership now. Uh, everybody has, you know, they take this. If you get this particular system of how to build a church, you can build it. So you go to leadership meetings and you write out. And so you write the story of your life. And God does want you to have your pen and help and write out. But, you know, there was times in my life, Jason, where my pen ran out of ink. And I beat it down on the table. And I said, I don't, I can't figure this out. I just can't figure it out any. And I would beat it, but there was no ink. And then I'd have to sh- stand back and look at the blank spaces yeah. where I wrote, and now it's blank. I'd write, then it's blank. I found something, Jason, that when my pen ran out of ink, God would always take his pen. Hmm. In the ink well of his own precious blood. And then he'd write in my blank spaces. I tell you what, she is to me. It's where God wrote in my blank spaces. Wow. Me, her life. The greatest things God has ever done for me in ministry or life has been in my blank spaces, not in what I wrote.
2: Yeah. That's that's a good word because a lot of a lot of people go through those those moments many times in life where you feel mm-hmm. like you're in the valley and you don't know if you're gonna ever get out. Um and for and for you, you know, uh, you know, I guess you know, Suzanne was a gift uh from God for mm-hmm. you after going through so much over the the 30 years prior, right?
0: Yeah. And I got it just happened in just months. And I wasn't, there wasn't anything inside of me that even wanted to date anybody. I didn't even know what life was. You you got to understand, we were, uh, uh, Glenda and I, she was in her 20s, in her late 20s. I was in my uh, mid-20s, excuse me. She was 26 and I was 27. I've had a lot of people say, you know, I, I know how you feel about putting your husband in the, your wife in the nursing home. I had to put my husband and I do understand that it can be pain, but there's a little difference between somebody being put in the nursing home at 75 or 80 and somebody put being put in there at 26. Was wow. The center of my lo- life was cut out. Yeah. It was like, I was watching a church and you, you attended the church there. Yeah. I watched God do wonderful things in the church. And yet the personal life was, wasn't there. It wasn't there. My personal life evaded me. I had to take care of two little invalid, I mean, two little girls, yeah. a little baby in my arms, and one that just started walking. And then my wife, I started having to feed her and take care of her. And so while a church grew, somebody said, how did Kingwood happen? Tell me the strategy. <laughs> Tell me what is, what's the leadership yeah. techniques there? Yeah. And I got to be honest with you, I couldn't write a book on it because I t- tell you what, Jason, here's the bottom line. And this is tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided to be faithful and God made me fruitful. Wow. There you go. Not many people want to live there. They want they want fill in all details. Yeah. But just like this whole thing with, with her life, she and I now travel and we we go around and Uh, our last marriage conference. You see, I do not believe, Jason, that there's going to be a great awakening in our country simply in church buildings. I believe that if there's not a a great awakening inside of marriages between couples, that there will not be a great awakening. There's no evangelist going to come through uh, and all of a sudden, he's the answer for the whole world. Yeah. See, I don't believe that the answer is the White House or the courthouse. I believe it's God's house and my house
1: Yeah. and
0: your yeah. house. Amen. And God today, he, 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 he built the marriage. He established marriage long before he ever established the collective church. And as a result, he established it in the second chapter of Genesis. And by the chapter three, he came, the devil came and wanted to destroy it because he knew the effectiveness of it. And we danced around that subject. But I remember at the last meeting, I saw couples look into one another's eyes. Right. And I saw revival going on. Whoever was, yeah, revival can't do that unless you got a worship team and you got a lot of people in your church. Revival can't start here. See, here. I know we're approaching Valentine's Day. Yeah. But here is the most honest atmosphere yeah. and the most open. We can we can kind of put on that holy look at church. There's lots of people there. We know how to do church. We got it down so pat. We can do it with our eyes closed yeah. and our hearts closed, but we can still do it. But at home, I, I always tell people that your marriage is the spiritual laboratory that God allows us to practice everything that it takes to please him. I can practice on her. I can practice the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness. Right. All of those things I can practice on her. And she knows she, as she looks in my eyes now, she knows who I am.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. We all know and that's the place. Sometimes we're we we're, 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 we're looking for a change in our country, from other areas. So no, I, I didn't like, I I didn't like what I what I went through. I, I know, uh, just recently, uh, yesterday, in fact, we went to see my oldest daughter, and we're not here to play violins. Like she said, this is the first time. I don't ever remember a venue except with you that we ever sat down together like this and talk. She tells the, the story, but she doesn't fill in the gross details or anything. Right. Sometimes our testimonies, we you wonder, are we magnifying God or are we magnifying the enemy? You know. Yeah.
1: No, I blast through the past and then get on blast to the good through part.
0: <laughs> the past and get to the good. Yeah, part. Uh, and, in and the I mean, blank spaces.
2: And that's a great word about blank spaces and about marriage and how marriage is really the sacred place for revival to happen. And so, you know, um, kind of take me back one more time to like when, um, you know, because Suzanne was like, you know, hey, you know, I don't know about this guy or I wasn't looking maybe for, you know, um, a relationship or a husband. So were you, I mean, how did you, how did it happen where you you, kind of decided or God told you that, hey, you need to ask Suzanne to to marry you?
0: Well, you know, I was, I'm so grateful, Jason. I, I've I've told sometimes you can talk to different people. You can talk to preachers sometimes, and we feel like uh, they speak like I did this through this. But I got to be honest with you, I, I, I've I've God has positioned me where I have I have drunk I drank water from wells that I never dug, hmm. and and I I've stood on shoulders. The only reason I was able to live above it, because I had some shoulders to stand upon that was taller than me. God positioned in my life several. I just think about one of our my, my dear buddies. from He was a great Southern Baptist preacher. He came and he heard that I was thinking about marriage. Oh, uh, uh, Dr. Jack Taylor, who's written many, many books. He came, he said, I got to check her out first, Ron."
1: Yeah, you got to have <laughs> mentors and accountability regardless yeah. of how far you go up the ladder. You know, I mean, and, and, everybody and, needs somebody. Yeah, new.
0: and I'm not name dropping, but it just it did, it did happen. In fact, you can go ahead with this and tell this after, we're, after I mention it. But I went to New York City because I didn't know. I didn't know. We're talking three months span here, aren't we? Yeah. Back India. Yeah. And so I never dated. I, my young life was taken away from me as far as the interchange. Uh, my wife was, uh, somebody I had to take care of. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd go up to New York city, uh, David Wilkerson was a, just an incredible man. I could, can't believe that you also worked at the Dean Challenge Center.
1: Right.
0: Uh, and I went up to just talk to him. <clears throat> I've been up there many times. He took me on as a mission, really. Uh, he'd, he'd call me at really broken times in my life and said, Ron, get somebody to take care of your wife. Take care of the children. And I want you to walk the streets of New York with me. And there's nothing like walking the streets of New York City with David Wilkerson. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Church and with him. And I wondered, why would God allow that man into my life? And so uh, I went up there to see him and I told him how I felt. Uh, he said, uh, I said, I don't know, David. I don't know how. I don't know whether this is right. I, I, I don't even know. He said, let's get down on the floor of my office here. And stretch out and let's pray about it. Hmm. Stretch, boy, you've never prayed till you get with David Wilkerson pray. Right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people called him a prophet. He said, I'm not a prophet, I'm a watchman. But he he got out on the floor and he he prayed and he got up and he said, Ron, God has spoken my heart. Not some, I'm not trying to be charismatically out there. He was being very honest because he knew me. He said, I believe that you need to marry that woman. And uh from there, t- yeah. t- what what happened from there then I uh, <laughs> she didn't know I was up so, there do it. She had no, no idea.
1: no, because she he, didn't
0: know why I was up there. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for some kind of assurance.
1: right. because most of our courtship had been on the phone. He was traveling and doing missions, and I was traveling and seeing friends while I was home you know to see my mom and seeing family and and traveling to see some of my friends in Tulsa. And so we we talk. We spent a lot of time on the phone, hours and hours and hours. And then we would meet at um, at my Miss Betty's house. She's my spiritual mom. And so we would meet there and eat together. And so it was just she was my chaperone. <laughs> and so yeah, because I was only thirty nine, <laughs> I mean, right? And so <laughs> so anyway, so when he called me, he said. I said, where are you now? He said, well, I'm it was December, my year of miracles and I'm getting ready to go back to India in January. And, uh, and so we, we had spent some time together, of course, but um, honestly most of it had been on the phone and then I had met the girls and he had met my mom. And so I fell in love with Tiff and Stacy and, uh, and their families, you know, I mean, yeah. And so actually, Connor was the only grandchild that we had at the that Ron had at the time. And so um and that and so we he calls me and he says, "I'm up here in New York City." And I said, he said, "Have you ever seen the Christmas lights in New York City?" And I said, "New York City. No,
2: I said New York City."
1: New York city. I said, no, I've never seen the Christmas lights in New York city. And I said, what are you doing up there? And he said, well, I'm up here with my friend and my mentor, um, pastor David Wilkerson. And I said, you're kidding. And he said, no. And, um, so he's, and so he didn't tell me that part, but he had been up there and he said, I, pastor David, I feel like I met somebody that I want to marry, but I'm so afraid to put my heart on the line. I've watched my church grow to nearly 2000 in spite of everything we went through. I watched my, uh, I made it through the storm that lasted 25 years. I watched my girls grow up and marry men of God, but personal happiness has always seemed to elude me. And he said, you know, and so he So Pastor David said, let's stretch out on the carpet, see what God says. And he sat up and he said, Ron, you marry her. God is going to give you back everything well, that I the canker it. worm and the pommel that worm and be. the locust has eaten. God is going to give you back every and sunset that you missed and, and, and every candlelight dinner that you missed all those years. And he said, Ron, you marry her. God's, God's going to give it back to you. And he said, you bring her up here. i want to meet her. And I said, I don't want to meet the prophet. <laughs> you know, I just knew. So um, anyway, he said, well, he said, I, I said, besides that, I can't go out of town with a single pastor. You know, I'm a missionary of integrity. And he said, well, he said, what if Pastor David calls and asks you to speak to his home for women rescued from prostitution and you could stay with Barbara, his secretary, or at the hotel that they have there. And, and I said, and I said, well, I don't know about that. i have to pray about it. And so I said, amen, send me a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so he did. And um, he did. And so um, I went there and pastor David prayed the sweetest oh. prayer over us and sent us on a carriage ride around central park. And um, it was sleeting and snowing and, And so here we were. We got out of the carriage ride and we began to walk the streets of New York City. And um, and, I mean, the Christmas lights are just absolutely spectacular. And so Ron looked at me and he said, Didn't you tell me that the year 2000 is your year of miracles? And I said, Yes, that's what God spoke to my heart at the beginning of the year. And um, here it was December, my year of miracles was almost up. And he said, didn't you tell me that Miracle on 34th Street is your favorite Christmas movie? And I said, oh, my word. I watch it in 120 (sighs) degree weather in India. I love Miracle on 34th Street. And he said, well, I want you to look up. And so when I looked up, I was looking. We were standing in front of Macy's on 34th Street and Broadway. And he brought out this beautiful diamond ring. And he said, Suzanne, I never thought that I would see personal happiness again. He said, it's not only your year of miracles, but it's my year of miracles. Will you marry me and be my wife and the first lady of Kingwood Church? And I was crying so hard. And so I said, yes, <laughs> yes, I will marry you. Yes, yes, yes. And so he said, I want you to, it's mission Sunday. I want you to take the missions window and I want you to just have the service and tell tell your story. And I said, Oh dear, not my story. Let me tell somebody else's story. <laughs> your, your people have walked through the valley with you for 27 years. And he said, That's right. They'll stand on the mountaintop with me, too. He said, You watch, you just tell your story. And so um, all the kids had come in for this, and they knew um, nothing about they, it. The
0: church people
1: mm. didn't, but the family uh, yeah, did Tiffany and Stacey, yeah, Jeremy, Jay. Yeah. And so um, they were all there on the front row. And uh June, his incredible secretary of 35 years, you yeah, know, 30-something years. And um, so when I got up there to tell my story, I was so afraid, you know, I mean, all the, the insecurities of the past, oh, you know, the enemy never rolls out the red carpet for you and right. says, go ahead, just live your life for God you know, he'll always try to bring your past back up to you, but God will never do that. He puts it in the sea of forgetfulness. And God said, Suzanne, you're, you're nothing but a trophy of my grace. You stand there and you tell your story. And and the Lord told me, he said, if you'll allow your pain to become your platform, God use, I'll use you for the proclamation of the gospel to bring people out of darkness. And so I stood there and I told my story. And Ron came up beside me and he said, Kingwood Church, we give and we give to missions. It's the lifeblood of our church. We have built churches and Bible colleges across the world. And he said, and today I am here to tell you, God is giving us back a missionary and she's going to be my wife and the first lady of Kingwood Church. And they stood to their feet. And clapped for 20 minutes.
0: Wow. (laughs) It was a celebration. It was a celebration.
1: And on (laughs) February 17th of the year 2001, the women's ministry of Kingwood Church gave us the most beautiful wedding you've ever seen in your life. And um, I came down the center aisle wearing a white dress because Isaiah 61 says, the Lord gives beauty for ashes. He gives oh. the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And he is the God of new beginnings.
2: Amen. And and about to celebrate t- 21 years of marriage. I mean, this has been, I <laughs> celebrate. Yes. Yes. 21, yes.
1: Yes. 21 years. And it's
0: just as fresh today yes, it is. as it ever has. And that's, that's the truth. And a lot of, a lot of couples say, no, that can't be, I, I, I promise you, Jason, it's, it's a, uh, I still see that as an incredible, incredible miracle. You see, if one can put a thousand to flight, see, you're not capable. Whatever, what thousand what? Whatever needs to be put to flight. Yeah. A thousand to flight. Boy, me and Jesus, a thousand to flight? I've got that kind of uh, power through him? Yeah. When the Bible says that when you're married, I put you together too can put 10,000 to flight. A multiplication takes place inside a marriage. Yeah. And uh, so I am so, so grateful. And I, we appreciate you allowing us to share close to Valentine's Day. Me do. Yeah. She <laughs> travels all over and she tells her story to <laughs> all over the place. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and and um, Pastor Ron, you know, I wanted to ask you about, you know, you guys alluded to and talked about your stories of, the things that you guys have been through, you know, previous to to being married and and being with Glenda and and the Huntington's disease which is, you know, debilitating, devastating, um, you know, you would wheel her up to the front of the church and then obviously, you know, uh many years, you know, you would go every day to the nursing home. So, did you ever, you know, and this is maybe for listeners who are going through tragedy and trauma, especially sure during this pandemic. Do you, did you ever like, you know, a lot of times during that difficult time, did you ask God why? And like, like why me and why do I have to go through this, you know, and, and, uh, like that maybe felt like God had forsaken you. Um,
0: uh, Jason, let me share with you something. First of all, I'm going to tell you about you. I'm so proud of you. I haven't seen you in a long time, man. You're podcast and, and, uh, you ever heard preachers that they look like that they love crowds but hated people <laughs> you ever listen <laughs> I, don't, I don't want I don't care to hear preachers like that no I, I I I just believe that people is our our interest not crowds whether it's a small church or a large church there's no gr- biblical grounds and because a guy pastors a small church that he's doing less for God than somebody who pastors a big church there's right. no Biblical grounds on that, but Jason, I tell you what. Like I told you earlier, I decided to be faithful, and God made me fruitful. But let me just ask you something today. If life were an audio recording, you're a you're a man that loves recordings, and you're on the news and all of that. (laughs) If life were an audio recording, what would it sound like? I'm I'm not talking about just for Christians or the greatest Christian or the. Or the one who feels like he's not a Christian, or the lost life, life in general. What would it sound like if life were an audio recording? Have you ever ridden? I know you have with your kids. A roller coaster. Yeah, roller coaster, had you? Okay. Yeah. Well, you you participate with me. <laughs> Say, there's the first sound of life is this, click, click, click. Click, <laughs> click. All going up. When you hear that sign, you're going up. That's right. That's because life is clicking. You get to the top. Now you're at the top. The breezes are blowing. Everything's fine. It's all honey. No bees, no working and, and You know what God should do for us? Then all of a sudden you get to the top. Now you're at the top, Jason. Now which way are you going?
2: I'm uh, going down. Asked.
0: Okay, here's the second sound of life. Click first one is click, click, ah, click, click, ah, click, click, ah. That's how I've lived my life, and that's how everybody lives it. But God is God, whether life is clicking or you're screaming. He's God through it all. And so He's He's helped me. I used to go to the nursing home and I she was in a coma and I'd ask her, I'd say, Can you can you hear me? If you can hear me, I want to. I want to sing a song to you. And now, back in those days, you know, I used to. Uh, we I, my age were in the old Elvis days, and I'd sing "Love Me Tender," "Love Me True," "Take Me in Your Arms," "Oh My Darling, I Love You." And uh, aren't aren't I a great singer, Jason? You are, and I always will. You know what? I didn't know that. But I found out that you're never more watched in life, Jason, than when you're being shaken. The greatest effect, I don't, nobody wants to be shaken. I'd rather go through all clickings. But you get get too many clickings going on and you're going to live beyond people and never love or reach to anybody else. More people fail God in their strengths than they ever do in their weaknesses. Yeah. So uh, I would sing. I went to, to tell you the truth. My, uh, we're going to get to that. A uh, few years ago, you were in my life when this happened. Boy, I'm so glad you came in my life. <laughs> happened. I tell you, it's one thing to go through a struggle, and infected you. Uh, you got two children. I'll never forget. It was Christmas Eve. My daughter, my youngest daughter, who could sing. Oh, my goodness. She could sing the roof off of a church building. Beautiful. Love God. Loves God. Had three little babies. They brought us over to her house. And she said, Daddy, we want to tell you something. We just found out. I have my mother's disease. Hmm. I got Jason. I thought all of that screaming was now over with. When you, mm. Now, if there's if there's preachers that's got all the pat answers, somebody call me and tell me about it.
1: Yeah.
0: Life, this life on this side. I'm not asking for pains to come. I'm not trying to match your pains. Every one of us have had pains. Right. And I'm not saying because my pains were look seem like a little bit drastic that your pains is not just as real. They are just as real. You know, and so. And so she said, I have my mother's disease, and I watched her go through it. I watched her go through it, and thank God. If God gave me anything in life, Jason, here's what he gave me that was unbelievable. He gave me two son-in-laws that are real men of God.
1: Yes.
2: Wow. Um, So, you know, obviously, you know, you guys have both been through a lot, whether it be, you know, going through addiction, and, um, you know, Pastor Ron, you going through, you know, taking care of your wife, Glenda, for many, many years. Um, but, you know, and then you that the year of miracles. Um, but d- despite all that you've been through, you know, that God has brought you through, you know, I know what I love the most about both of you. One of the things I love about y'all is that you use um, excitement and you can hear that in your voices on this podcast and uh-huh. humor and just love. Um, about Jesus. Um, you know, so how do you, you know, despite all that you've been through, you know, what's the importance of having that, that joy for life and joy for, for Jesus?
0: Yeah. Well, Jason, you know, I wrote something down here that uh, the degree to which I allowed God to change me was the degree that God worked through me To help change others. And as a result, that produced inside of me a stability and a peace. People don't do very well when it's all internalized in themselves. If they just care. I'm not saying uh, you need to blab everything that's going on inside of you. But you must share you must share with others. I found my answer literally in getting outside of myself and getting inside of other people. That's true. Yeah. So, so that's kind of a, what, what I, uh, what I've done and God has helped me. uh, And I'm so, so grateful for it. And we're so grateful just to be on your your podcast.
2: (laughs) And and, and you guys are, you guys are a hoot together. And, you know, and just like you, Pastor Ron, you know, Pastor Suzanne, you when you guys get on stage and when you're talking at a conference or a church, you just have you just a zoo, you know, exude like just just so excited and energetic. I mean, is that something that is just part of your personalities or.
0: Well, I. It is a part of my personality, I guess. No
1: doubt. People think that I'm the extrovert. And I said, oh, you wait till you meet my husband. I'm actually the introvert.
0: <laughs> I'm actually trapped. I'm actually trapped in this body. Yes, yes. If you could listen real close, you'd hear me beating on my rib cage, walking out. <laughs> but you know what? A sense of humor is good. And, and, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And now, joy, it's, uh, there's times that you need to weep, and I've done a lot of it. But I did it basically with me and God alone. And uh, uh, so I love what she said earlier about let your pains become the platform that you stand upon yeah. for proclamation. And so I, I'm grateful for, for that. So uh, inside of my own heart, God has just uh, blessed me. I, I I remember the other day. I ask every day, God give us give us divine appointments. I believe this is a divine appointment being with you today. Right. And um, whatever means it uses. And the other day I I was down at McDonald's, and I, I don't do like you know you can go where in your town to the McDonald's or Jack's or something early in the morning. Who are you going to find there? A bunch of old guys, right? <laughs> be sitting around talking. And I, I was sitting over by myself and I saw these old guys talking and I thought, Oh, you know, so uh, one guy, I was walking out and a, another guy was walking in and said, Hey, I know you, I want you to come over and sit with us for a while. And so he, he got me and he trapped me. And I began to begin to sit and talk with those guys. And I talked a little bit about life, and one of the stories that I mentioned, Jason, when I was a little inner-city welfare kid, my dad—I never saw my father until later on in ministry. He was a World War One veteran, and he had been wounded, and he—they uh, uh, call it shell shock back in those days—and he lost his mind, and he became very dangerous. And so I—we lived; mom lived on welfare with all of us kids there in the inner city of Indianapolis. And I'll never forget. My, uh, a young man was taking in some laundry inside of a laundromat. And I was standing over by a, uh, the fountain down in fountain square Indianapolis. And he hollered and said, Hey, I said, what? He said, "Uh, could you help me carry in some of these baskets of clothes? I said, sure. Went over he told me he was uh, who he was. And he said, I was a youth pastor. I said, I don't even know what that is, man. I, I don't go to church. I don't even know what that, what do you mean by, by that? He said, well, on 13th and Alabama Street, we have a church. And that's something that I've done all my ministry in Alabama. And I got born again on Alabama Street in Indianapolis. Wow. <laughs> I just thought of that. But anyway, so so I said, I can't go to church I, I, at church, I heard about church, but look at these clothes. You can't go to church in clothes like this. He said, would you, would you go to church? I said, yeah, I'll go sometime with you. And I just to get him off my back, you know. So my mom let him in those row houses where we lived. And I was sleeping on Sunday morning. And I heard somebody shake me. Felt somebody shaking me. And it was, I, I opened my eyes and it was that youth pastor. And he had a brand new shirt and a pair of pants. And he said, you told me he's going to church with me.
1: Yeah.
0: How, I looked at that. I never had seen any brand new shirt like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'll go. Well, as a result, of course I was on there, not very far from that. Was I born again? What would have happened? had somebody not cared beyond the normal,
2: Yeah,
0: cared beyond the routine, just passing by one another. And I'll never forget my, um, and I was down at McDonald's sharing a story and my pastor called me, uh, his young Timothy. When I went and left, I never preached in my life. I saw him. He was in this suit and I love that suit. It was so sharp. He was my size. Really? He was a small guy. And I said, oh, if I had a suit like that, one day I'm going to preach and I'm going to wear a suit like that. Well, when I was going off down Southeastern College, he, pulled, he came out, he invited me over to his home and he came out with that suit in his hand. It was like, who was it? it was Elijah and Elisha. And like he gave me his mantle. Yeah. And he said, I want you to preach. I want you to preach in that suit. The first church that you go to. My first sermon was my tryout church first sermon church that I tried out for and I wore my pastor suit and they voted me in 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so and then sweet. then I went back. Jason, here's the story that changed this man's life. Sometimes our stories that's what you do it's about story. Right. The power we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Isn't it unbelievable that that would be put in the same category? the blood of the lamb and what that blood did in my life has power to change others.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: and so he said, uh, uh, my pastor, uh, on his 40th anniversary, I was preaching. He was about to retire 40 years in that church, great church. And while I was preaching as a young man, an old man stepped out in the aisle. Now I was in the middle of preaching. And he began to cry, Jason. He cried so hard. And I preach loud. I tell people, I'm not, I'm not a very good preacher, but I'm fun to watch.
2: <laughs> you do, you do move Preachers, around. A lot of-
0: Preachers today are, aren't a lot of fun to watch.
2: <laughs> you, you do a lot of, you do a lot of jumping. You know, is that oh, a- jumping and moving
0: and <laughs> yeah. expressions? Oh yeah, yeah. You won't go to sleep, not because I'm preaching good. It's just, what's he going to do next? <laughs>
2: And, you know, and and speaking of that, you know, uh, you know, we talk a lot about spiritual fitness and the soul and, and really, you know, seeking after God, but physical fitness is important too. I know you, you probably, you get a workout when you're on stage, you know, sweating and, Running,
1: <laughs>
2: right? kind of thing. So, Oh, yeah,
0: I've kept my weight off.
1: He gets his 10,000 steps a day and just preaching. Oh, I've been
0: around the world like you, Jason, in just one sermon.
1: Right.
0: But it's a little bit too long sermon. to go around the world for one sermon. <laughs> exactly. I told and, people at the church, Jason, I'd <laughs> tell them, I said, I don't mind walking out on me while I'm preaching. I just don't want you walking toward me. It scares me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh I think, Suzanne, you told me that you guys – uh, walked together a, a lot, did put in a lot of miles during COVID quarantine, right? Or, or walked and Yes, ran. No,
1: yeah. yes. I joined up with the Great Virtual Race across Tennessee in 2020 with Lazarus Lake, and I loved your interview with him, by the way. And um, so, yeah, my my friend got me to sign up, and so there was. I mean, Mister Extrovert Personality. Didn't have anything to do during quarantine. It was like he was going crazy. So I signed up, and I just said, "Come on, go to Oak Mountain with me every day because I'm gonna get my my 635 miles in, and um, to walk across Tennessee." And uh, so, so he came out and did almost half of them with me. I went on to do the thousand, get the thousand mile pin, but he probably walked 300 miles with me for sure. So,
0: yeah, but I'm gonna tell you something, Jason, about running, and I know you 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 do that, and it's a great passion it's a It's a great thing. I tell you what it's more than it is just the running, it's what it does to you on the inside, yes there's a sense of calmness, isn't it unbelievable that when God put man and woman on this earth, he created a place where they could walk and move and go among the trees and and uh and the enemy didn't like that, but it, but it creates uh, something inside of your soul. And if there's a, a there's something inside of you said there's a place where there's a finish line and I'm not going to stop till I reach it.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. I remember that time, your first race. You remember once you tell that when that, that first race that you in Birmingham and you heard me coming out to you. You remember that?
1: <laughs> yes, that was the Mercedes Marathon. My first, my first one. My goal was to, you know, I had I had a dream in my heart to start running races for my girls in India. That yeah. that would be a uh, a way to raise money and funds and send it all to India, and um, and help rescue the girls. And so I had I needed to train, so I signed up for the Mercedes Marathon. And I signed up. I was going to run uh, my first marathon at 50 years old in five hours. And so I had signed up, got the train, started training. He would ride his bicycle at Oak mountain and I would run. And so I was in the training process. And um, so I signed up and, You know, we just we just can't ever give up on our dream. You know, that's the deal. So I they shot the gun and the finish. You know, we took off running. And I mean, I was crying. It was 17 degrees that morning. Seven, Birmingham, Alabama. Hello, coldest day in history. (laughs) <laughs> oh. and so um, I was just oh I was crying and and my tears were freezing and I was like I can't believe I'm You're running my first run. of and so yeah and so Ron I was running uh Lynn and I were running my friend were running um and so so when I got in the pace group uh for the five hours and so I was running and running and 13 miles. Oh yeah, I was doing great. Now I watch all these people go off at the half, and it just does something to your brain to know you've got the whole next loop to go. Yeah. And so of the same thing you just did, and so I was like, oh my goodness. So ha- the half one, happers went off, and I was like, oh my goodness. So I just kept running at 15 miles. I was doing good. 18 miles, I hit the wall. I mean, and.
0: Uh, you're wrong. You know, wrong about that.
1: yes, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, what am I? I was just barely. Ron and Danny were tracking us, and so Ron, uh, Danny told Ron. He said, "Suzanne's at the wall, buddy. She's walking right now, and if she doesn't pick it up, you know, there's the balloon lady behind you. Oh. At six hours, you know, she they're gonna put you in the if the balloon." <laughs> who passes you in the van and take you back to the finish line and they'll take you back to the finish line and you don't even get a medal. And so I was like, Oh no, the blue lady. And so I was like, what am I going to do? So I had my, I had my Mandisa iTunes going with you're an overcomer and, You know, I was eating my crackers and drinking my, and, and so I get to, so I get on there to mile uh, about 20 and I'm thinking I only got six more miles to go. I can do this at mile 23. You know, I hate to say this, but my little toenail came off of my shoe and I was like, oh my God, I was hurting so bad. I am limping, and I get out there at mile <laughs> 25, and I'm thinking, oh. I cannot, I cannot do this, because my five-mile pacer had, had already gone on, you know, so here I am, I'm just trudging and going, and, um, and because the wall is real, you know, eventually, yeah, yeah, so when your faith even hits the wall, you got to just keep pressing on, I'm you got to, Keep speaking life to yourself, saying, I am an overcomer. I have the power to do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I was preaching to myself. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of my shepherd. I heard my (laughs) honey saying, come on, baby. You've only got, he had run out one mile. And he was like, come on, you can do it. He said, they're cheering you on. And I, you know, once you get closer, you can hear the cheers of the people that are at the finish line. And you know, it's like we have this great cloud of witnesses that are oh. saying, Come on, finish your spiritual race, Suzanne, oh, you can do same it. Deal. Yes, and so we can <laughs> yeah. do this, and so he ran with me the rest of the way in, and um, I crossed that finish line, and there's just nothing like I mean, it's just oh. like we cannot give up, we cannot, we oh, are man, going man. to make it to the finish line, and Jesus is gonna help us. Our Heavenly Father gives us the strength to run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. If we will just, yes, you know, that's
0: so good. If, and that's such, such a parallel isn't it to our spiritual life or we, business life or running. And it's, I'm going to tell you the inner peace. When I go through uh, Oak mountain, we, we got a state park here. That's a blessing. It's right down the road from us. And we'll go out there life during all of that, uh, COVID and all of that, life disrupted, schedules disrupted. But I'd go out there in the woods, and it was the same, the same beautiful trees.
1: Yes.
0: We walked through there and uh, run sometimes. And uh, it just brought not only externally what it does for your body, but what it does to your internal life. Yeah. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and
2: and you guys, you know, getting the chance to travel really the the nation and the world now um, to be able to, you know, with Pastor Ron, when you kind of pass the baton on at, at Kingwood Church there in yes. Alabaster, south of Birmingham, you know, you guys have started a ministry called uh, Legacy of Purpose. So, tell me about that. Are you guys, I mean, do you get go to conferences, churches? I mean, what's the kind of the whole purpose behind this?
0: Okay, well, Legacy has always been. A word in my life. A legacy is a common word nowadays, but some time ago it wasn't. I said I told people I said we leave. All of us will leave behind four things when we leave this world. We will leave behind things. Things is the stuff that you've accumulated. But I said after a while, things wear out. They're sold in garage sales and they're over. So if that's what your life is totally about, then you. It's, it's not going to last for very long. Then you leave behind trophies. That's the things that you've accumulated. Things you've accumulated, the gold watch at the work, the medal that you have around your neck from a race that you've run, <laughs> won. But you're not going to take those to heaven with you. First of all, with those medals, they got so many medals right now. If you was to put them in your casket, there ain't no group of people <laughs> that can pick it up. That's right. It's strong enough to carry it. <laughs> So, so you leave behind that, but after a while, even trophies, your kids would take what they want. I got my mother's glasses and my mother's old Bible, but after a while, a couple of generations, nobody wants that. I, I remember, uh, I do illustrated sermons and I did a sermon on, uh, uh, on a July the 4th or a, maybe a patriotic day. And I went down to an army Navy surplus store and I looked around to see if I could get any props to help me out in my sermon. And I looked in an old dusty case and blew it off. And the guy came over and I saw some medals. I said, what, what, what's that medal right there? Oh, he said, oh, let me get it. Pulled it out of the case in the back darkness of that uh, Army Navy surplus store. Oh, he said, that's a, uh, that's a uh, uh,
1: purple heart.
0: Purple heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I said, okay. I looked and saw a name on it. And I thought, I wonder how, Such a trophy as that Hmm. could end up in a case Mm -hmm. with a man's name on who literally was wounded or died or some kind of you don't get Purple Hearts for anything. After the family years had gone by, they released it. So, trophies are temporary, memories are temporary. We forget things and move on. But there's one thing that's not temporary, and that's a legacy. What is a legacy? It's taking who I am and seeing if I can't deposit. Not that you have to become me, but taking my tears and my joys and depositing them inside of you. You may not even know it, but all of us have got other people on the inside of us.
1: Right.
0: And so, in other words, I I want people to say when I'm out of here, oh, yeah, Ron Cox, I know he's in heaven. No, I, what I want is I want to know that Ron Cox, even in a small way is inside of somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. And so we, we began legacy and legacy of purpose. Honey, once you carry it from there, we, we, we formed that ministry. We took that word legacy and put it inside the ministry. We must deposit ourselves in other people's lives.
1: Right. And we do have a purpose. God has called each one of us to a, to a plan and a purpose. And then when we unite with someone else, then we have the strength together. And then we bring other people on board with us. I mean, I, I didn't realize the purpose that God had for me would be to work in India. But and I heard um, Brother David Grant stand on a platform one day oh. in a camp meeting service and say, my heart's desire is to see one million daughters of India at the marriage supper of the lamb. And I said, God, if you'll (laughs) let me, I want to be part of that vision of that purpose to, to rescue and restore these broken little girls that, um, have, have no life and no, um, dream. I want to impart dreams Into them. And so God allowed me to be part of that. And so, Legacy of Purpose is still part of the vision of Project Rescue. Um, And, um, you know, we love our Teen Challenge. We love our Master's Commission students at our church. We sponsor a student to go through every year. So, our purpose is to continue pouring. Legacy and yes, every all of our income that we um, receive from ministry ministry and preaching and honorariums and offerings goes back into missions, everything except receipted expenses of travel. But, you know, and and gas money, but, you know, everything goes to missions and everything that's sold on our product table uh, goes back to to rescue and restore and bring help and hope to yeah, uh, one the of the, <laughs> yeah, one of
0: the things that she's just been a part of, and I'm so proud of her, especially at this time. They called from Project Rescue, where she had worked. And they asked her to be on the Speaker's Bureau. Mm. That that's quite a to me, that's was quite an honor.
1: Yes, it's an
0: it's quite an honor. And so with, with many of the great ministers and speakers. She is on now the Speaker's Bureau. So it's a, a legacy of purpose, Project Rescue have taken a, both of their efforts and have molded them together. Yeah. And it's, we're just, it's just an incredible time, I believe. And God's favor is, is shiny. And to think that it all began with two lies that were broken. God took the broken pieces. Yeah, we decided to follow Him. He put us together, and I'm so grateful for it, Jason. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm grateful for you guys, and and any kind of I know you talked about run for freedom for this cause as well. Do you guys have any of those things coming up, or any any events coming up that people can partner with you for? Or?
1: Um, we we actually do. Uh, well, through Project Rescue has. Um, They have organized runs and things that we do, but also with um, the Real Freedom Races with my friend Michelle Christensen. She um, sponsors a run every year and uh, she's just an amazing joy. And we have had people from across the country that have joined. And sometimes when I go in, they'll have an organized race. And I will speak on a Friday night, and then we'll run either a 5K. Michelle says in uh, Naseda, Wisconsin, the whole town comes out. It is absolutely amazing. And uh, people will walk it. One lady did the 5K with a walker. I mean, she said, I am so determined that I am going to be freedom. part of this run and these real freedom races breaking the chains of human trafficking because actually there are 27 million victims of modern day slavery in the world today. 27 million. And so um, we are doing our part to bring uh, real freedom races to to different cities and states and Michelle is a coach she, for, she, run did, for didn't run. she just
0: run a race in your state.
1: Yeah she just did the Calway Gardens um oh yeah
2: in Georgia. Yeah. And, and and Suzanne you uh you alluded to it earlier. Maybe you can tell the story real quick. The um the story is speaking of human trafficking that you were um, I remember you, you've talked about it, you know, on the, the pulpit numerous times about almost being kidnapped or, or gang raped and, and God supernaturally rescuing you from that really yeah. potentially deadly situation. Right.
1: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I was actually about to. um I was I was in the mountains of India praying about whether to stay that that second year when the missionaries called and asked me to stay another year. I I was I was exhausted. I mean, I was literally um, I had signed up for one year and um, and then I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. But uh, it was a very difficult year. I mean, it was. I lived, mean, with, the was, I lived the with the girls in the home, and uh, as we were launching the um, the the uh, project rescue homes back then. And so, um, you know, after the first year I was ready to come back to the States because it was, it's very difficult living in India, culture shock. I mean, you know, it's 120 degrees by seven o'clock in the morning. I lived in a village of a million people with open sewage running through the streets. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was just a hard life. And then the girls are so very broken and, Um, You know, you're trying to love them and restore them in their brokenness and they have night terrors. I mean, they have the stories are just horrendous. And uh, so I have 15 girls and uh, so I had gone. To the mountain, they had asked me to stay one more year. And I said, I really no, I just don't think so. <laughs> and uh, they said, Will you pray about it? And oh, I'm like, Oh no, don't ask me to pray about it. I know
0: how <laughs>
1: God thinks, I know him. And so I said, He's no. <laughs> so anyway, so so I went to the mountains of India and at the border of Nepal, and he said, Yes, Suzanne, I want you to stay one more year. And so um so I, what do you say when the master says stay, uh, you say, yes, sir. And it, cause we're from the South, we say, yes, sir. And so, um, <laughs> so I got on the Shatabdi express, which is a train that runs from the border of Nepal into New Delhi, into the train station. And because, and I rarely ever, ever tra- traveled by myself and, um, And so here I was, but Sister Usha, the national director, my little prayer warrior, she was there to pick me up. But because monsoon season had started, um, all the train tracks were flooded. I came in on a different track and everything had been delayed. So I'm coming in at nighttime and it is so dangerous to travel at night by yourself as an American and sister Usha, she was there to pick me up, but she couldn't find me. And so at midnight, I'm like, I cannot stay here all night. There are thousands of men in the train station Mm -hmm. and it was very dangerous. And so I, I finally looked at a taxi driver and I said, you know, my village and I gave him the name of my village and he said, I do. So we I said, okay. so I got in the uh, taxi with this man into the van and uh, about 15 minutes into the ride, I realized in the dark night of India that he was not taking me to my village and fear began to suffocate me. And I I was sitting behind Mm -hmm. him and I reached up and I tapped him on the back and I said, Baya, which means brother, this is my village. And he shook his head. And about that time he pulled into an abandoned service station and he blew the horn where four men came out and they began to circle the van and look into the van at me and my luggage. And I had tears streaming down my face and I thought this cannot be happening to me (laughs) um, because I, I just knew I knew what was happening. He was, you know, I was about to be abducted. And so he probably the most demon possessed man I've ever seen in my life looked at that taxi driver, the taxi driver had gotten out. And he looked at him and said, kidnap he yeah, American, which means how much money do you want for that American? And I mean, he was about to sell me into slave prostitution. Jason, I would have gone underground that night. Nobody oh, would have man. ever known where to look for me or <clears> find <throat> me. And it would have been a prize to have had an American and so I was I was sitting there with tears streaming down my face but my little pioneers of faith Uh-oh. had taught me how to <laughs> plead the blood of Jesus they, they had taught me how to plead the blood. So, I mean, I began to whisper under my breath, Father, I just plead the blood. Yes. I plead the blood. And the Holy Ghost on the inside of me said, speak it out. And I began to scream at the top of my voice, Father, in the name of <laughs> Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life and over this man. You said in Psalm 91, you've given your angels yes. charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. And when I said that, those four men were slammed up yes, against that were. building their eyes were looking up into heaven as I believe God opened the heavens to show them the angel army that surrounds the children of God. And so that little taxi driver jumped in and I mean, he was panicked. His eyes were like this. And, and I mean, I, and I just prayed in the Holy spirit all the way, all the way to my doorstep where he dropped me out and I never saw him again. And my girls just surrounded me and, you know it was just such a god moment that god protected me and saved my life because um, we we have a purpose to accomplish and we're going to run our race for the kingdom and for
2: yeah. the- you guys have both have amazing testimonies and and share it openly and and you, all the all the you know the the, the bad times the good times to kind of look where you are now and and god really has used both of you individually, but also as a couple uh, to have that legacy of purpose. So we just just wanted to just say thank you to both of you for all that you've done, and uh, you know you'll the rewards in heaven are, are coming. You know, but but you've you still got <laughs> quite a few li- li- years to live still. By the way, happy belated birthday, Suzanne! You're thank in a, you in a, in, a, in a new in a new decade now, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> in the new
1: decade. And oh, I'm there. glad for that. <laughs> and.
2: Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I usually close the podcast with prayer. So Pastor Ron, I would love for you to, uh, to kind of, uh, close us in prayer. That would, that would be a uh, tremendous.
0: Oh, Jason. I'll be glad to do that. Heavenly Father, I look at Jason today. I thank you for him, his wife, his children. I thank you for a man. I thank you for churchmen, men that work out in the marketplace, have a desire to please and serve God and get the true message of real freedom out to others. I pray that you'll touch his daughter. I pray that you'll touch them, his children and his wife today, minister to his church and his pastor and their family. I thank you and I pray for everybody that has listened to this. May they know that we tell this testimony not because we're trying to compete and compare against others, but we share it to mm-hmm. let them know that ye, ye we walk through the valleys of the shadows yes. of death, yes. we'll fear no evil, for thou art with it.
1: Thank
0: you, Lord. Your rod and staff, they comfort us. You prepare even in the midst of our valleys, tables that are spread in the midst of the enemy yes. that wants to destroy us. I pray that wherever this podcast goes, that somebody's life today will be lifted up and encouraged. Let your presence break the yoke, the chains of bondage that are around people's lives. In these very difficult, stress-filled days, speak peace that passes all understanding into the hearts of those that are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much, and definitely continuing to pray for for you guys and and your ministry and your family as well. I know, you know, losing you know with both of your daughters getting the same disease as Glenda and losing precious Tiffany, and then and now you know with going through what you're going through with Stacy, our prayers, our deep prayers are with you guys. I know that, that God sustains you through your you know strength and peace and rest and and even and and joy in, enjoy in the midst of all this, right?
0: Jason, it's been an honor, buddy. Sometimes yes. I want to see you in person. Yeah. A lot of the young generation <laughs> thinks, thinks this is fellowship.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's
0: fellowship. I, I can't, can't stand do. it. He
1: wants to squeeze your I face. I want on. to
0: grab your face. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah. hug your neck. <laughs> I know. Right? I appreciate it. maybe we'll see you. this is fellowship, huh?
2: We'll see at a race sometime, maybe something like that, or, or somewhere yes. Yes. else.
1: We love
0: you. Love you guys. Bye-bye, buddy.
2: Really a joy to talk to them. Looking forward to seeing them in person since that was uh, via Zoom. Uh, Pastor Ron and Suzanne Cox, and she talked about learning to live for God and how that was really the the key and the focus for her uh, while she was waiting on a husband and uh, God kind of given her that time to, to do that before uh, they met uh, 20 years ago. Suzanne dealing with a lot of fear and what ifs about her troubled past. We all have those things that kind of are baggage and, and kind of uh, sitting out there. And then Pastor Ron talking about the amazing things that happen in those blank spaces like we talked about. He also said, you know, something he said was tweetable, I just decided to be faithful and God made me fruitful. That church that I attended, Kingwood Church in Birmingham, uh, was about 1,500 strong. Uh, every Sunday, and uh, you know, considered sort of a mega church there in central Alabama. He also says something really important, especially as we approach Valentine's Day. He says, Your marriage is the spiritual laboratory that God allows us to practice everything it takes to please Him. So, the marriage is such a crucial part of. Um, of just making things work in society and life in the church, and when we when we deal with crisis, as we seem to be dealing with, on, unfortunately, on a regular basis across our nation. And now on to uh the uh, final segments of this podcast and uh sometimes I do food for thought today I'm doing stuck in my head where we uh you get to listen to me sing a little bit. Uh this is a a love song uh dedicated uh to my wife but uh also you know it's you know not just Valentine's Day but we should Um, show God's love throughout, not just to our spouse or our loved ones or family, but to just everyone around us, showing that true love. And also a parting gift from the Bible. So here's a great song by Brandon Heath, a Christian artist. And uh, the lyrics are biblical. Love is not proud. Love does not boast. Love, after all, matters the most. Love does not run. Love does not hide. Love does not keep locked inside. Love is the river that flows through. Love never fails you. So uh, God says to make a joyful noise, so there you go. There was mine, at least for uh, as we go into Valentine's Day, and that's uh, dedicated to my wife, Shanna Dennis. Uh, I work on a daily basis to try to show love, and I failed probably on a regular basis as well. So I uh, hope you uh, you know, look to God for what true love is. And speaking of that, our parting gift, um, comes from the good word, the Bible. First John 3, it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. What he did on the cross and what he did that didn't have to do uh, was, was simply amazing. Uh, we believe it happened. We know it happened. And Jesus showed us uh, that sacrifice, what real love truly is, unconditional, no matter what, uh, when we didn't deserve it. Um, and we thank him for that. Uh, Pastor Ron gave us a, uh, a final prayer, and uh, we thank him for that. Uh, really um, great to, to, to you know, talk to Ron and Suzanne, uh, friends of mine who have just done incredible things for the kingdom of God here on earth. And uh, again, I, I can't recommend enough you that try to find their book on you know, through Amazon or anywhere online. It's called Call It Incredible, The Ron and Suzanne Cox Story from uh, uh, years ago Um, written by Mark Sims, who did a great job with uh, telling their story. And uh, their story continues, and so does yours as well. Uh, So we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us, Uh, more than about about an hour and a half for this episode, our longest one yet, uh, as we are on episode 98 of the Run the Race podcast. Make sure to subscribe to it, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can go to WTVM.com slash podcast. Listen to any of the previous episodes. Lots of folks Talking about faith and fitness, um, stories like Ron and Suzanne's. And if you go to the Apple Podcast app and go to the very bottom, we'd love for you, the bottom of the Run the Race page, write a quick little review. Give it five stars if you like it. And uh, we'll uh, keep this uh, train on the tracks and uh, keep uh, blessing folks uh, with, with uh, God's word um, through some extraordinary stories. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and week and happy Valentine's Day.